and Apolloni. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the great privilege to call you Father. And that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have become your children. God, you are so righteous and holy and blameless and mighty and strong. God, when we enter into your presence your holy presence, we are reminded of how short we fall of your glory. So, Lord, we come now confessing our sins to you. We confess our anxiety, our fear. Uh, we confess our judgmental spirits, our pride, our arrogance. Uh, we confess um, how our hearts are so easily pulled to fall in love with this world. Father, we confess these things to you. And we ask through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins, that you would indeed forgive our sins, that you would cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, that you would forgive us completely. And God, that you would make that reality, a theological reality, a, a, a personal reality in our hearts this morning. Help us experience your forgiveness. Father, we thank you so much for who you have brought to our church God, we pray that you would be with those who are struggling this morning. We pray for Ken Tedder. We thank you so much for the great privilege to allow him to be here today. God, what an encouragement he is to so many. Father, I pray that you would just surround him with your grace, that you would continue to give him strength and mercy to endure this battle of cancer. Father, we thank you for Jerry Green and the joy that he has, even in the midst of bad news. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to comfort both him and Ellen as they walk this road together. Father, we thank you for bringing Mr. Ira today, God. We thank you for another year of life, God, as he celebrated his 92nd birthday. What a privilege to have him in our community this morning. Uh, dear God, I pray that you would just bless all who are here. Uh, there are many here who have unspoken requests, things that are laying heavily upon their heart. So, God, I pray that you would work them individually by the power of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we pray for our city uh, and our nation. We pray, Lord, that you would help our nation return to you. We pray specifically that you would defund Planned Parenthood, God, that you would make our people, that you would make Christians rise up and stand for the life of the unborn, God. Father, we pray that our hearts would break, that we would not ignore, 
but God, that we would speak and that we would use all the strength and energy we have uh, to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Father, we pray for the the preaching of your gospel in our nation. We pray specifically this morning for our brother Reggie Hopkins at Calvary Baptist Church. We pray that as he preaches the word of God, that that congregation will be formed more and more into the likeness of Christ. God, we pray that you would surround them by the power of your spirit uh, to uh, change that congregation more into your likeness. And God, we ask now that we humbly submit to your word. Uh, Father, we pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear this word. God, we pray that even now that you would remove distractions from our midst, that, that our hearts and our minds would be, would be steadfast, focused on your word. Not the words of a man, God, but a word from God. We pray, Lord, that you would speak this morning, that you would take your living and active word and that you would cut through the souls and the hearts of your people, God. That you, we would be laid bare before you, Lord, that we would serve you with all our hearts, with all our strength and with all our might. Dear God, I pray that you would do a work in our congregation. Father, you know what our church needs, God. You know exactly what our church needs. So, God, I pray that through this message and the following message as we study this great church of the past, God, that you would help us become like it, that we would be full of hope, that we'd be full of faith and love, that we would live for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So, dear God, I pray that you would speak, that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit in a way that we know only you can. We pray that you would take all the glory and honor this morning. We humbly submit this message and this time to you. Bless your people for our good and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I I believe we are at a watershed moment in the life of our church. I I am convinced that we are entering a season in our church's life that will define what kind of church we are going to be moving forward. Will we be a church that brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ? Will we be a church that strives hard for the unity and the bond of peace? Will we be a church that lays down our own preferences for the sake of the body? Will we love one another from a pure heart? Will we continue to uphold God's word? Will we contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints? Will we do the work of an evangelist? Will we put to death the deeds of the flesh? Will we make the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, our highest and only aim. Simply stated, will we be the church of Jesus Christ? I believe we are indeed at a defining moment in the life of our church. I was set probably months ago to preach through the book of Genesis, uh, to really lay that book out over the fall. Uh, And then this past week, the Lord just has convicted my spirit that what we need even more uh, is 1 Thessalonians. We need this book. I strongly desire that we as a church body will enter in to a time of intense prayer and an intense seeking after the Lord through prayer, through fellowship, and through his word. I do not think 
we realize how desperately we need God. I went to see Ira Williams for his birthday. I mentioned in a prayer, uh, 92 years old. And while we sat in the living room, he, he lamented, um, as many of you have in the past to me, that people do not prioritize God anymore. People do not prioritize his church anymore. I believe that one of the biggest reasons that churches are in decline is that churches are not experiencing the manifest presence of God. When people enter into our church, do they feel the presence of a holy and almighty God? People, most people I would say, attend church for fun rather than to have an encounter with the almighty living God. What kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be a church that wants more of God and will desperately do all that we can to pursue Him? Or are we going to be a church that is satisfied with one foot in the world? Beloved, I strongly believe that we are a critical moment in the life of our church. But, but I'm not afraid. But I'm excited. I am excited with the challenge of corporately pursuing the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ together. I am excited that we get to serve together with the strength that God supplies, so that in all things God would be glorified through Jesus Christ, because to Him belong dominion and glory forever and ever. I am excited to see how God will bring His name glory to the people of Park Baptist Church. Simply, my prayer over the next three months is that we would become an exemplary church. A church that displays the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. But the question is, is how are we going to become an exemplary church? So I grew up outside of the South, surprise, outside Chicago, and I loved watching the Chicago Bulls play basketball. I loved watching Michael Jordan. Uh, during the, the 90s, I, pro I probably didn't miss many uh, Chicago Bulls basketball games. I would just watch him. Uh, and I was never an amazing basketball player, but I spent hours in my backyard, was a, behind, a, behind my house was an elementary school, practicing to be like Michael Jordan. Right? Because he was my example. He was the one that I wanted uh, to follow. Um, like I said, I was never a great basketball player, but I was a lot better than I could have been because I studied. I had an example to follow. If we want to grow in any area of our life, we look for an example that which we can emulate. So if you want to learn how to have strength in suffering, you look at Ken Tenner. If you want to, to know how to have joy in sorrow, you look at Jerry Green. If you want to know how to care for your wife, you look at Max Phillips. If you want to, to learn how to have a quiet and gentle spirit, you look at Miss Judy Farrell. 
If you want to know how to encourage someone's soul, you look at Rachel Purcell. We have examples all throughout our church that we can look to to grow in our faith. And if we are going to be an exemplary church, a church that Jesus Christ would be honored to have his name bear, we must study and meditate on an exemplary church. We need to find an example. The church of the Thessalonians, I submit to you, is an exemplary church. It was known for so many things as an example through all the believers throughout Macedonia. They were known for their reception of the word, their love for the saints, their holiness before God, and their hope for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we want to be an exemplary church, we know it's going to take effort and work. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change us through his word. So I'm going to challenge you to memorize this book over the next three months. The book has 89 verses. And I know many of you have never memorized a chapter, let alone a book. But I want to exhort you to try. And if you can't memorize, I want you to read it over and over and over and over and over again. Because we can't become an exemplary church unless we study and focus on this word. Coming and just hearing a message one Sunday and then forgetting it and not living and thinking about it and meditating and, and, and having it affect your own soul throughout the week will not do what we need in this church. I don't want us to merely hear the word, but I want the word to become part of you. A few months ago, I was doing some marriage counseling. And one of the, the things I told the couple that I wanted them to go home and memorize Romans chapter 12 Verse 10, just one verse, which says this, Love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. The husband came back a couple weeks later and, and shared how much easier it was for him to love his wife because that verse was rolling around his head all week long. Right? I need to show her honor. I need to outdo in showing honor. If we're going to become an exemplary church, we all need to be focusing on what it means to be an exemplary church. More than just one message a week. So I want to encourage you this week to write this book, the book of 1 Thessalonians, upon your heart. And to that end, we're going to start by focusing this morning on the entire letter in one sitting. Uh, Lord willing, I'm going to preach... This book from memory to you this morning. To give you an example and an encouragement to do the same. Please know this is not for show, but as I've heard told you time and time again, that God has used memorization in my own heart to change me more than anything else. Because what I do is I have to, mem- I have to meditate. I have to study that word again and again. And I never seriously started memorizing Scripture until I saw someone do it. Until someone stood up and and quoted a long passage. And you know what it did in my heart? It made me want to do it. That example made me want to do it. So I pray this morning that my example of quoting this letter, by preaching this letter to you, would encourage you to do the same.
that it would transform your life and it would transform the life of this congregation. So as I share this letter, you see on the back of your bulletin, there's really no, there's no notes. There's just an empty space. What I want to do as I share this letter, I want you to, to write down ways in which this church was an example. The way that this church uh, did things in a way that honored the Lord Jesus Christ. So just write those things down. And then, and then I want you to get excited. I want you to get excited about studying those things and, and seeing those things in this book, in this church, in our own people. Wouldn't that be exciting? If that we were an example for all the churches throughout Rock Hill, through all the churches throughout South Carolina, that we were a church that gave honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ above all else. So I pray that that is my prayer this morning. So to that end, shall we hear God's word? First Thessalonians chapter 1 through chapter 5. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in in word but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. For you yourselves know the kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers throughout Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. For you know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we'd already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor do we come seeking glory from, from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother with her own children. And being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share not only the gospel of God, but our own selves. Because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. That we work night and day. That we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And you are witnesses in God also. How holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was towards you believers. And how like a father with his own children, we exhorted each one of you. 
and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls us into his own kingdom and glory. And we also give thanks to God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus in Judea. For you have suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind from hindering from us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved so as to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. We wanted because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or our joy or crown of boasting before the Lord, our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved in these afflictions. For you yourselves know we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer afflictions, just as has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported how you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you by your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy we feel for your sake before God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and to supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that... He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you, just as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more for you know the instructions we gave you in the Lord Jesus. 
this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to in, 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 in impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, we have no need to, to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, as indeed you are doing for all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you to do this more and more, and aspire to live a quiet life. And to mind your own affairs and work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders. And be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. So that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. But since we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For I declare a, for we declare a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left at the coming of the Lord, will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these things, with these words. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know. You yourselves are fully aware the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like the labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the, the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do. But let us be awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But we belong to the day. So let us be sober. Having put on the, the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet... The hope of salvation. For we were not destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we're awake or asleep, we might be with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very 
highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet, one, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray. Father, help us become an exemplary church for the glory of your name. Amen. Well, I have a great privilege now to give a word of exhortation uh, to a dear friend um, for a deacon ordination. Uh, it is a, a great privilege to have an opportunity to encourage and exhort my brother and friend Dave Thomas this morning as he is uh, going to be serving as a role uh, as a deacon. Uh, we know that deacons are servants of the church, uh, and, and this has epitomized Dave's life over the years. Uh, he's been made uh, visiting and encouraging an active part of his retirement. Uh, there's many times where you go and visit someone and Dave Thomas has just left. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that, Dave, you will do an amazing job as a deacon. You have served this church well, and personally you have been a great source of strength and encouragement for me over the last several years. It's a humbling to see labor for others, even in the midst of your grief. And you're still grieving and you're still serving. So before we officially set you apart as a deacon, I'd like to give you uh, three brief exhortations of how you're called to protect this church. First, you're called to protect the unity of the church. In Acts 6.1, the founding of deacons, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The backdrop of the first deacons was a growing church facing disunity. So God set aside men to protect the unity of the church. So, Brother God is setting aside you to protect the unity of this church. Secondly, you are called to protect the reputation of this church. The qualifications listed in Acts 6 and 1 Timothy 3 have more to do with, with character than they do with skill. As a representative of this church, you are called to protect her reputation by living a godly and righteous life. And we know no man is perfect, but you are called to strive to be above reproach, to be a man that we want our younger people, other men in this church, to follow. Dave, you love your family. That is clear. You love this church, and you love 
the Lord God. And if you continue in those three loves, you will grow and protect the reputation of this church. Finally, you are called to protect the ministry of the word. The apostles had a very specific job to do. They were called to the ministry of the word and prayer. Uh, Pastors today are given the same tasks. You are called to protect the ministry of the word by caring for the practical needs of the people. So the pastor can devote his time to prayer and the studying and preaching of God's word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. You have the awesome task. And it is indeed, all deacons, it is an awesome task to help people hear and believe the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ by guarding and protecting the ministry of the word in this church. You are called to serve. But you, are never, you must never forget that your service has eternal ramifications. For you can help change people's eternal destinies by ensuring that they hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed and be saved. So, brother, it is an honor to set you apart today in the ministry of service for this church. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.13, For those who serve well as deacons, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I pray this is true for you and for all the deacons in this church. Uh, What we're going to do now is we're going to have Dave come up and he's going to sit down front uh, and and all men, all ordained deacons uh, in this church, if you could line up here and just come by and say a prayer uh, for him. And then when all the men have gone through praying for Dave, we'll have a corporate prayer uh, together. So I invite Dave to come on down front. And and ordained deacons, can you come up here and line up on the side? And as they come and pray for Dave, I would ask you now to to pray for Dave and pray for all the the deacons and the leaders in this church that we would uh, continue to protect the unity, the reputation, and the ministry of word in this congregation.